Welcome to the Encounter Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Awesome. Okay, well, welcome to the first week of our new series, More Than Conquerors. Now, we did this series last year, and, and we're going to do it again this year, and, uh, and I'm doing part one today called Keep Walking keep walking. And I really feel like I am, I'm an authority on this one. I really think there's an authority in this message because I've been through some things where I've had to keep walking like many of you have. And uh, the key scripture for this series is up there, Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, what does it mean these things? Well, the scripture before that is Paul talking about persecution, storms, shipwreck, heartaches, prison. So basically he's saying, yet in all these things, Anything that's happening to you that is bad or negative is coming against you. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. And that's talking about Jesus. So you and I are more than conquerors through Jesus. No matter what enemy or storm is coming against you, you can have victory. In Christ, you can have victory. In Jesus, you can have victory. And so today, I feel a bit fired up. I honestly, if I go a bit nuts, I lost my voice already in worship. But if just... Just say this, Pastor Robbie, he's, he's gone nuts this week, okay? I'm, I'm feeling a fire in my loins. I'm feeling a burning in my belly. I want to challenge you to whatever you're going through, whatever storm you're going through, to walk through it in hope. To walk in it through hope. Keep walking in hope. Don't stop in your storm. Don't stop in the storm. If you're in the storm, just keep going. Keep going in hope. Keep continuing. If you stop in the storm... You get stuck in the moment. You get stuck in that moment. And, and some of us might have got out of the storm, but we're still living out of the moment of the failure or the rejection or the thing that person said or maybe the thing you said. You, you're not in the storm, but you're living as if you were in the storm because you haven't left that moment that that thing happened. Change is always around us. We need to keep doing things that we know to be right. You know, the things that the pillars Reading our Bible, because the word, Bible is the Word of God. Reading the Word will speak to us, because God's Word is in the Bible. Praying, seeking Him. Another big one is just going to church. Just go to church, I think, is a key to getting through a season or a storm. Just turning up and connecting with His people. Because the sun will come out again. I'm going to read a little story. Now, the story that I'm going to read to you, I'm not... There's some driving tips that this father's kind of giving this daughter. And I just, I don't condone his tips, okay? I actually think he's given her the wrong kind of message of how to drive. She's learning to drive, okay? So you'll understand as a reader, this is not, this is, I'm not advocating this at all. Okay. One day, a young lady was driving along with her father. They came upon a storm. And the young lady asked her father, what should I do? He said, keep driving. Cars began to pull over to the side and the storm was getting worse. What should I do, the young lady asked. Keep driving, her father replied. On up a few feet, she noticed semi-trailers were also pulling over. She told her dad, I must pull over. I can barely see ahead. It's terrible. And everyone is pulling over. Her father told, father told her, don't give up, just keep driving. See what I mean? I'd, I'd just say pull over if I was the dad. Yeah, just pull over. But anyway, it's good for the story. When I'm in a storm like that and it's raining, I don't stop. I just keep going. When I drove from Queensland to here for the, the get here, I went over the New South Wales-Victorian border and I was in 40 minutes in Victoria 
before I even knew I was in Victoria. Because it was raining so bad and everyone had pulled over that I couldn't even see the signs that said Victorian border. But I just keep going. If it hails, I'll stop and hide the car under something. But other than that, I don't stop for anything. Okay, now I'll kick up. Now the storm was terrible, but she never stopped driving and soon she could see a little more clearly. After a couple of miles, she was again on dry land and the sun came out. Her father said, now you can pull over and get out. But she said, but why now? He said, when you get out, look back at all the people that gave up and are still in their storm. Because you never gave up, your storm is over. Just because everyone else, even the strongest, the biggest, the bravest, the ugliest, whatever, pulls over, doesn't mean you have to. If you keep going soon, your storm, storm will be over and the sun will shine on your face again. See, we don't stop in our storms. We've got to just keep going, keep moving, keep going in hope through your storm. Keep walking, following God, reading your word, praying, trusting in him, hoping in him. It mightn't feel good, mightn't feel wonderful, but you need to keep going. My first point today is even in God's perfect will, there are perfect storms. Even in God's perfect will, there are, there are perfect storms. You might think, I'm in the storm because I'm off track. I'm, I'm, I've gone off the rail. A storm doesn't indicate whether you're in God's will or not. In fact, it may very well be you are in his perfect will that you've got a storm. See, Jesus had a storm. He was on the cross being crucified. He was in the perfect will of the Father, but yet he was in a storm. Job was in a perfect storm in the Bible. He was in the perfect will of God yet. So your storm is not an indication that you're not on track. We've got to look to the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus. Don't look at the storm to indicate your approval or that you're doing okay. Storms come to everybody, even in God's perfect will. See, the issue is not that you're in the storm. The issue needs to be what voice are you listening to when you're in the storm? What voice are you listening to to guide you through the storm? Because you can't see. What, what, what sound are you you're listening to? Just, is it the voice that says, give up? Or is it the voice that says, keep going, I'm with you, my son or my daughter? There's a guy in the Bible called Jeremiah. They call him the weeping prophet. Not a good start, is it? The weeping prophet. Jeremiah is this guy that God told him to prophesy to the nation of Judah and, and Jerusalem. And it was near the ends of the days of that nation at the time. And they were kind of prosperous and doing okay. But there was corruption in the land. They stopped following God. They, they were worshipping idols. They were sacrificing their children. The judges were corrupt. The priests were corrupt. And all these prophets were saying prosperity and blessing. But God told Jeremiah, you need to prophesy that if they don't repent, if they don't change from their ways then I'm going to bring Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, and I'm going to flatten the whole land. I'm going to destroy the city, and I'm going to take most people away captive, and the rest will die. And he did this for years and years and years, and they hated him. He was the only voice saying it, and at the time when he was saying it, it looked like it was impossible. It wasn't even going to happen, but he kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and they threw him in wells. They threw him in prison. They beat him up. They were going to kill him. All these things happened to him. He suffered so much, but he was faithful. He was in a storm most of his life, but he kept faithful to what God was telling him to say. In the end, the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar, came and did exactly what Jeremiah was prophesying. I'm going to read from Jeremiah 33, 1 to 3. While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the Lord gave him this second message. 
This is what the Lord says. The Lord who made the earth, who formed and established it, whose name is the Lord, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. See, the, the, the court of the guard was actually the prison. He'd been in a really bad prison before that, and he thought he was going to die, and he petitioned the king to get moved to the nice prison. Maybe it's like a prison farm, we might say. So he's in this, he's in this prison, and uh, there was a well that they'd thrown him in this well. It had no water. It was just mud, and he was like up to his armpits in it. And, and so there's this situation here. His liberty has been taken from him. He didn't have freedom. He was, he was bound. He was in prison. And it's not the circumstances that determines your, your ultimate outcome. He was in that place, but God's voice came to him. See, even in your prison, God's voice can come to you and guide you. Even in that place of storm, God's voice can come and lead you out. What voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the voices to say, give up, declare bankruptcy? Are you going to listen to the voices, you're not going to make it? Are you going to listen to the voice that says, just leave him? You can listen to the voice that says she's no good for you. What voices are you listening to that are speaking into your life and your relationships? What voices you listen to are the ones that will determine your destiny and your direction? Or are you listening to the voice of Almighty God, the voice of heaven speaking into your storm, and you're taking that on board? You see, maybe it's hard to hear God's voice at times, but we have a Bible. That's why I said read the Bible. The Bible tells us what we should do. The Bible says... The Bible is God's voice. It says, do not steal. You don't need to pray about whether I need to steal. It says, do not steal. How do you avoid it? Well, don't put yourself in situations where you might be tempted to steal. Another one is, honor your father and mother. Well, when I first became a Christian, I hated my dad, to be honest with you. I'm not going to go into it. I hated him. And I went on a journey where I had to forgive him. And I went to him one day and said, I just forgive you. And I honored my father at his funeral because I loved my father in the end. But God changed my heart because the Bible says, honor it. There's, other, there's heaps of stuff in the Bible that tells you what to do. The other one, don't covet your neighbor's wife or covet your neighbor's husband. You don't need to pray about it. It says don't covet them. So what does it do? The Bible says don't even walk past the adulteress or adulterer's front door. Don't even go down their street. You avoid it. You stay away from it. You don't fellowship with that couple if it's a temptation for you. Bible, you don't need to pray. That's what the Bible says. But in our darkest hours... God's presence is there. His word is there. You can just pick this book up and you can read it and it can speak into your situation. And it tells you how to live and how to face situations. It says here, he is the God of the second comeback. So he says, this is what the Lord says. Um, the Lord gave him his second message, sorry. The second message is a comeback, a second God. God came a second time. See, maybe you faced a failure, your business went broke, or, or you, you, you're just really stuffed up in life, in relation, or whatever it is. See, God's a God of the comeback. It's never too late with him. It's not over until you're six foot under. While there's breath, there's life with our God. He came to Jeremiah a second time. He can come to your life a second time and bring opportunity where you thought there never could be. Because he's the one that brings resurrection when there's death. Life where there's death. And then it says in the verse 3, it says, Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Ask me. In other words, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If you come and ask me, ask God, he will tell you remarkable secrets. Remarkable secrets about what is to come. So he could speak into your storm what it looks like on the other side of the storm while you're in the storm. If you draw near to him and you hear his voice, 
He can tell you remarkable secrets about what's on the other side of the storm to give you the hope to keep walking because you want to see that come to pass. That's what he does. He tells us what's going to be before it's there to give you hope in the present for you to live in the future, for you to make it and get through your season. He has options. You know what I love about that? We all think we know what's going on. We, we do, don't we? We've got a handle on this situation. God, I've, I've got this thing worked out. I know what's going on. None of us know what's going on. We don't know. There's blind spots everywhere. We, but the thing is, his ways are above our ways. As the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways. He sees from the big. You think you've got a handle on this situation. You've got it. Let it go. God knows the situation more than you do. And he has options for you that you couldn't even think of, that he could speak into your heart to show you which way to go. It's called humility. It's called humility. See, we all face storms. All of us. Everybody. Everyone in this room's had storms. And you'll face more storms. They're going to come. It's very encouraging preaching, Pastor Rob. Yeah, I know. I'm prophesying it. Because they will come. Storms will come. Like I said, all these guys and girls in the Bible just face storms. Paul, the apostle, wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He's in prison. Time and time again, shipwrecked time and time again. That's why he had that scripture up there of more than conquerors. He was stoned with rocks, kind of stoned at one point. They believe he died and God rose him from the dead. He was persecuted and chased and, and, and ridiculed and all these things. But he was in the perfect will of God. I'm going to talk about a, a storm that I faced about 21 years ago, slightly over, because my daughter's 21 this week and it happened while she was in the womb, belly, whatever. And uh, I had this dream that I wanted to be a pastor in a church one day. Had a dream. And, um, you know, I was doing a uni course for teaching and I quit it because I thought it's not my passion. And then I regretted that decision for 14 years. I ended up doing that degree again 14 years later and got some master's degrees in it because God's the God of the second chance. He wants your regrets to be turned around if they're in your heart and they stayed there forever. It was like this gnawing thing. No matter what I did, I felt like a failure. And so I went back and conquered that thing. He led me to it. That's, he cares about a heart. And so I end up going to pastoral staff of this church. And I'm not going to give you any. You're gonna, everyone, whenever I talk about this story, everyone tries to guess it. We lived in America. It could be in America. It could be any state of Australia. It could be in any city. It could be any denomination. So don't try to guess it because I'm protecting the people that are in it. Okay? And uh, I went on staff in this church. And we grew to 500 people really quickly. It's not Glow Church, I'll just tell you that right now. That's another one that grew really quickly. Grew to 500 people really quickly. It was all happening. It, it was the buzz church of, of everyone was talking about it. People around the country were talking about it. And all my friends were like, this is your opportunity. This is it. God's brought you into this situation. And this thing's going to just go off. And, and oh, Kathy and I were part of a team of, of, of you know, a part of a, a leadership team where I loved all that. We were... The people, you know, when you're part of something and you had an affinity and we'd socialize together, and it was something that I wanted that comradeship all my life, and it seemed like this was it. But you know, when you're doing something for God and it's growing quickly or whatever it is, the enemy is it, it comes and he looks for the little, little kind of clinks in the armor, he looks for little clinks in relationships, he, he, he looks for opportunities with people, and he tries to bring division. He tries to tear things apart. He looks for, he goes around the whole ministry or whatever it is, all your business. He's looking for that little way in. And see what happened was one of the senior leader's wives fell into uh, sexual immorality. See, we didn't even know about it. And it was like 
tragic. And then that same week, another guy on the team who was my closest friend, who I socialised with and jogged with and did everything, confided in me privately that he's been, he used to be in the gay scene, he's married with a baby and a pregnant wife, that he's been having affairs with men. This is all in one week. I was, it was, it was hard. It was hard work. And then being one of the key leaders, me and a couple of the other guys, we carried the church for a couple of months and just did the preaching. But there was this stigma and shame over the whole place. We were counted as, oh, you were one of those guys, a part of that team that had sexual morality and homosexuality. And all, you know, and there was a stigma and a shame. I felt going out in public, people looking and watching. And, oh, you, you were part. I hadn't done anything wrong. I was doing everything right in God. It, it was a terrible time. And then the, the leaders of the movement said that us who were left would, would get to choose a new pastor and they'd bring people. But Kathy and I went to a conference one weekend and I got a phone call from one of the other leaders and said, hey, the president's come this morning, as you know, and preached. He's just told us who the new pastor is. He's just doing it. And every position is null and void and you've all lost your jobs. He can have a clean slate, the new guy. Kathy, we had a child, and Shoshana was, was, Kathy was pregnant, and I found myself unemployed, lost my job, lost my ministry, lost my dream, lost all my friends. It was a storm. I became depressed. We continued in that church for another year to support the new pastor, not on staff, but just because people looked at us as pillars in the church, and I wanted to care for the people and just not bail because of what had happened, and And I had about 10 months or 12 months of really depression. I didn't want to get out of bed. When I did get out of bed, Kathy didn't know if I was going to come home because I was suicidal. We had no money. It is my darkest hour in all my life. It was horrible. I felt the shame and stigma and embarrassment. Then I remember, you know when God speaks to you, I can remember the moment and the place that I was. I was in the garage of this house on unemployment benefits with these baby was born, had to pay for all that, and, and uh, I just said to God, it's not fair. The pastor and his wife, who, uh, the wife fell morally, they stayed together, and to be honest with you, they, I'm not going to tell you, they are like major national leaders today in church, and she preaches all around the countryside. God is a God that can restore, they stay together, but the, so that's a miracle, and I have the greatest respect for them. What happened in that was they, they gave them some jobs in another city, just admin jobs to just help them. But I was unemployed. I remember going to God, I'm paying the price for somebody else's sin. Well, they've got a job and now it's not good for them, but they can provide. I, I'm still stuck in this town where they're not. And I'm, I've got the shame and the ridicule of people pointing the finger. I'm unemployed. It's embarrassing. I said, I'm paying the price for somebody's sin. It's not fair. And he said, I know what you feel like. I felt angry. I felt angry. I I said, how could you, the God of heaven and earth, the creator of the galaxy, sitting on your throne, tell me down here in my hell that you know how I feel? He said, I went to the cross. He said, I went to the cross. He said, I know how you feel. And I just got this revelation of Jesus, the perfect Messiah, who created and did no wrong. The perfect man was crucified and tortured, and was spat on, and faced shame because of my sin, and because of your sin. He knows what it feels like. 
He came from the throne of heaven and his comfort zone to the discomfort of the earth into a human body and suffered immense humiliation and torture and bore the sin of the world. He knows what it feels like. It was resurrected the third day. You see, if you're disillusioned, you don't know what's going on, you don't know why you're facing what you are in your life right now, go to the cross. See, it's at the cross that everything makes sense. I don't know why this is happening, but if you go to the cross, see, no one understood what the cross was about. It didn't make logical sense, but at the cross was God's perfect will. And maybe the thing is that you don't understand is God's just saying, lay down your life. Maybe God's saying to you, I laid mine. Just, just give it to me at the cross. You're wondering, why is this going on? Just give it to him at the cross because his ways aren't your way. See, giving it to him at the cross can liberate your thinking and your mind. You mightn't understand it. Stop understanding it, but take it to the cross. Let it be dealt with at the cross. I'll just get myself where I'm at. Then, because I had this routine, I kept going to church. I kept reading my Bible, and I kept praying. I was hurt. I was angry. I was disillusioned. I didn't know what had gone on, but I had enough sense to know. Read my Bible. Pray. Go to church every week. Worst thing you can do is stop going to church. Keep in the house of God. Keep connected with. How can you hear the voice of God if you're not reading your Bible? How can you hear the voice of God to get you out of your storm if you're not praying, if you're not connecting with other believers? Or else you've cut off your life force to get you out of the storm. I remember going to this church. Um, we visited this church one Sunday. And I snuck in and I wanted to sneak out. Because it's, oh, there's Robbie O'Donnell. He's a part of that. Humiliating. And as I started to leave, I was at the back, of course. It's where I would be. And as I... I didn't want to be in the ministry. The ministry disgusted me at that point. I was so over it. I, it was putrid to me. I looked at pastors as like losers, you know. Even though I went to a church, it's a pathetic calling. I just, it just repulsed me. I was walking across the back of the church to leave before everyone else, and the song leader was kind of singing their last song. And she just stopped and said, there's a young man here. She didn't point anyone out. It was just generic. And I was walking. As soon as she said it, I just froze and just kind of like played it cool. Like, you know, yeah, that's all good. I knew it was for me. So there's a young man here, and you're dead. Your insides are dead. You're like wrapped up like Lazarus in a coffin. You're in a coffin, and there's death. You have no power to get yourself out of this, and there's just darkness around you, and you can't see forward. She said, but God would say to you, young man, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And see, God knew me. He didn't pick me out. He didn't embarrass me. He did this kind of generic word for could be anybody. But it was for me because that's where I was. I had no power to get myself out of that situation. Lazarus couldn't get himself out of the tomb. He was wrapped in cloths. It was only the sovereign hand of a loving father that would speak a word. Lazarus, come forth. And when he spoke that word, see, I was seeking him. I was asking him. And he, he brought remarkable secret into my heart of what was to come and said that I'm going to resurrect you. And it's not going to be by your power. I'm going to bring you to life again because when you're dead, you don't have the power to resurrect yourself. Only a sovereign hand of a God can heal the unhealable. The only the sovereign hand of God can resurrect the dead. We can't do it ourselves. Sometimes we've got to be in a place where we can't do it ourselves and all we can do is get on our knees, say, Almighty God, unless you come through, we will die. Unless you come through, we will not make it. And in that sovereign hand of God, he can speak. 
destiny and future. And then she said, when he resurrects you, you're about to go into a new season. And he spoke hope. And I had hope from that day in my heart. I applied for this job that I wanted to get. And I had 2,000 applicants and they employed 10 people and only one man. And that was me. I was a little offended because I was thinking, am I like a girl? But a man? I don't know. Like, like, there were nine girls and me. I was like, oh, I but I got it. And, and, and it was a national kind of role with this company. And I was there for seven years and it allowed me to just get a job. Go to work, feed my family, go to church, just to rebuild, to rebuild out of that hole. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You can hear his voice. See, my next point is with God, you can have hope while walking through a storm. With God, you can have hope even in your storm. You too have this song called Stuck in a Moment and I Can't Get Out of It. And the U2, the U2, the US version of it is this old 70-year-old guy. If you're 70, sorry, I don't mean to say old, but there was a 70-year-old guy in the, in the bleachers. And it, it was this shell of a man that looked depressed. He was looking down on the, the gridiron American football ground. There was nobody there. He was just looking down on it. There's this appearance of a lonely man that lived a life with no, didn't live up to his potential. He didn't live up to who he was meant to be. And there's this imagery of him reflecting back. And here he is, college, premiership game. He's the kicker, full-time, about to go. He kicks it, they win the premiership. He kicked, he was a bit cocky, and he kicked, and he missed. And the whole crowd went down, the cheerleaders, everyone left the stadium. And this is a picture of him with all the lights out, just standing in that moment of failure. He got stuck in a moment, and he couldn't get out. He had no voice to encourage him, no voice to say, hey, go this way, follow this way. And he stayed in that lifeless, lack of potential moment that he was a failure, that he disappointed everyone for the rest of his life. But see, we don't have that. We have the creator of the heavens and the earth. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. We have his Bible. And that though a righteous man or woman fall, they can get back up again. That God can resurrect the dead. He can speak. Don't live now out of the failure of the past. Some of you are living out of what you said to that person or what they said to you or or, or that, 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 that thing that you failed at, I'm a loser, I can't do it, I'm no good at that. I tried it once and, and it didn't work. But so many people in history, like Thomas Edison, like 1,000 experiments to, to get the light bulb and failed, but they kept going. See, failure isn't the end, it's a step to the next one that you've learned. See, don't quit because you failed once, just keep going, keep going, walking through the storm and listening to the voice of the Almighty where he tells you to go, go. It doesn't make sense, you just do it. If he says stop doing that, you just stop doing it. He says, go there, go there. His voice is the one we need to listen to. Let's not live life with regrets. Don't get stuck in the moment of the storm, even when you've left the storm. Listen to his voice because it'll lead you out of the storm. Because I kept drawing near to God, even in my disillusionment, reading his word, going to church. I heard the voice of God tell me to go to this particular church. I just, I, this particular church we went to, Culturally wasn't my thing. Music wasn't my thing. It was really conservative. It was fairly old school. But I felt the Holy Spirit just said, this is where I want you to go. So we just did it. It was simple as that. We just went there. And we went there. And I felt great inside. And the messages were powerful. And I felt healing happening. And after about six months of going there, just going to church, going to my job, I, um, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me about the parable of the talent. 
and, and saying to me, hey, you know, the guy who had five used his talent and he earned five more. And the one that had the one buried in the ground and wasn't using it. And the master said, where you're going will be darkness and gnashing of teeth. And I don't know what that looks like, but it didn't seem like fun to me. So I, I didn't think I liked the sound of that. And he'd been speaking to me and I was just getting this conviction that I'm not using any of my gifts or my talents and I'm just kind of hiding Anyway, the pastor, out of the blue, just I can remember where I was in that moment. He called me up and said, Robbie, do you want to preach next Sunday night? I was like, are you serious? Like, this is 400 people, 600 people church. You want to preach? He goes, can you preach? He knew I used to be a pastor in this church. And part of me didn't want to do it. I was terrified. Five or six years I hadn't preached. For five or six years I'd not done anything except for turn up to church. And I just thought, you know what, this is a new moment. What do I do? God had been talking about the parable of the talent. I felt if I didn't, I was being disobedient to God. So I said, okay. I was, I was uncomfortable. The thought of it was just overwhelming. But I went and I preached. I wrote a message, preached, went really well. And then Kathy said to me afterwards, she said, you know what, you look like you've been doing this every week for the last five or six years. She said, I don't know if this is a kind of slap in the face, but it encouraged me. She said, it's obviously not a skill that you've perfected. It's obviously a gift that's inside of you. It's a gift that I didn't have to work at or streamline or, or master because I didn't do it for five or six years, but I got up as if I've been doing it every week. And that liberated me because it's not, I don't have to perform or do anything. I, I just need to, need to use the gift that God gave me and let it flow. And that's for you as well. Just use the gift that he's given you. People say, is it hard work to preach? No, it's actually not hard work. I don't find it hard at all. It, so it's a gift. It's, it's not something that I do or orchestrate. It started a whole new season in that church. I came board, an elder. I went on staff, part of the pastoral team. And it opened a whole array of opportunities for going to do teaching and working in the school I had and a whole heap of stuff, a whole new season. I could have got stuck in that moment in that previous church where I could have gone... I'm never going to be in the ministry again, which I did do, but I, I changed my mind. I, I could have gone, I'm so disillusioned with God because of the leadership of that church. I'm so disillusioned with everything. And I could have got stuck in that moment and, and, and been an old man, never fulfilling the destiny and call that God had placed in my heart. And I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be that person. And I don't want to be that person. Because God is the God of the comeback. I embraced a new positive moment. Sometimes you've got to leave the old one that you're stuck in and grab the new. Grab the new moment. Let that take you. Keep going through the storm. If the music team could start to head up, I'm going to read that again. As Jeremiah 33, 1 to 3. It says, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard. He was confined. He was imprisoned. It wasn't, he, didn't, he wasn't free. In that place of not being free, the Lord gave him a second message, a second chance. This is what the Lord said. The Lord who made the earth, who formed and established it, whose name is the Lord, asked me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. He will tell you remarkable things and secrets about your life that are to come. You've got to ask him. You've got to draw near to him. So your journey in life is it's like on a train. You're going to see different windows as you look out. You're going to see different scenery. You might see some desert. You might see some mountains. You see some snow. 
you might see some brown dry grass, you might see lush grass, you, you might see beautiful canola fields. Like the, the landscape of our life changes through different seasons. Storms will come, storms will go. But as we draw near to God and let his voice speak into your life in the storm, he can tell you, turn left, turn right. It might be darkness in front of your eyes, but just listen to that voice. If you can't hear it, get his Bible, read it. What does he say about this circumstance? Don't give up. Walk in hope through the storm. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Don't get stuck in the moment. Do the pillars. Just walk in hope. Pray to God. Go to church. Read his word. Trust him. The the cornerstones of Christianity are basic. Don't complicate it. You know, we are caught up in deep theology and all this. End of the day, read your Bible. Talk to God. Go to church. It's not rocket science. You're not supposed to be designed for the intellectuals and academics of the world. It's this relationship. You're good enough as you are. Just read the word. Pray. Go to church. Do all three. You'll get through it. New seasons will come and you'll wish you did it. You'll be glad. The Bible says these two, these things too will pass. Your storm will pass. Clear skies will come again. The sun will shine on your face again. If we could just stand today, I just want to pray over everyone as a church. Heavenly Father, you see every heart here today. You see every circumstance, every storm, every trial, Father, every persecution, every fear, every body that needs healing every mind and soul that needs refreshing. And I pray as a loving Father that you would pour out your anointing, your presence from heaven on every being here today, Father. That you would make a way where there is no way. That you would bring healing where healing needs. That you would resurrect those that are dead. That you would bring new life, Father. I pray for a new season coming upon this church and every person in it, Father that we could hear the voice of our Heavenly Father and that we could follow it, Father. We could be led out of the storm into the clear skies, Father. Just speak to every spirit, every soul here today, Father. Your words of refreshment and life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, Follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us at Facebook at encounter.shepparton.